We've been looking at a, a passage in a book called Colossians, and it's a part of the Bible where a guy called Paul is writing to a church in Colossae. Um, and he's kind of a father figure to them. Um, he's a bit of a mentor, and he's been helping them through some issues. And they've had some problems. And um, he figures the best way to start off helping them is to paint this picture of who Jesus is um, and sort of see, look at Jesus, and then we'll deal with your problems. Um, and so, you know, we have, we have problems in our life. We have issues we come across. Um, and it's so great to remind ourselves um, of who Jesus is from time to time, to spend a summer looking at all these characteristics of Jesus. Um, and we're going to carry on doing that tonight. Before we get stuck into the Bible, I just want to set up a scene for you. I bet you can kind of all relate to this feeling of starting something new, that you are required to act in a different way. Um, you're uh, given different responsibility, or you're allowed to do things that you weren't allowed to do before. Um, something like you've turned 18, um, and suddenly you can buy a beer uh, without getting told off. Um, you're allowed to do it. You, you can show them your ID. Or you've passed your driving test, and you're allowed to go out driving for the first time. And you can do something that the day before you couldn't do. But you, you're not any different. Nothing's changed. It's just you've been given permission. Um, for me, that's been the last couple of weeks. I've sort of started a new job. Um, I'm training to be a doctor, and um, first two years have been kind of foundational, general training, um, and then I've just started three weeks ago training to be a surgeon. Um, and that means my role has changed slightly. I'm now a surgical trainee. Um, but that means that my job is no longer looking after the wards as much. Um, I'm a year more senior than that, and I've now got other responsibilities. But I have to remind myself constantly, I'm, I'm at work, and I, I, I want to slip back into what I did before. I want to go to work and do something that I'm more comfortable with, because I know how to manage awards. Like, I've done that for two years. I'm quite comfortable with that. What I'm not comfortable with is being a surgical trainee. Um, and so I have to remind myself when I turn up to work that, you know, come on, this is different. We're not doing that anymore. Um, and I have to get my kind of work professional identity correct. So we'll come back to that idea at the end. Um, some of you might be able to guess where that's going. Um, we're going to get stuck into to the, the verse. It's just a really short sentence um, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, halfway through verse 18. Um, so feel free to read along in the Bible if you want. The words will be up here. It's not all up there. It's not very long. You can tell what I'm used to. Um, it's not very long. So it says, um, he is the head of the church, head of the body of the church. We're not looking at that bit. That was last week. Um, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now, there's some complicated words. I'm not good with words, so I'll keep it really simple. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Okay. So let's start off right in the middle of that, of that phrase. He is the firstborn from the dead. We've been looking at the idea of being firstborn for a couple of weeks, and the, the, the phrase has come up a couple of times. Um, going back a couple of thousand years, the firstborn child had a bit more of a significant role than it does now, and they carried um, the sort of the authority and the birthrights of the firstborn, the, the delegated authority of the father, um, and they were kind of the, the most important one in, in, of the children, of the, the offspring, um, if you like. And so that's really what we want to, to get here. We're not talking talking about firstborn in, in order of number. We're talking about firstborn in authority. And we've been using the phrase supreme, or highest in authority. And we've kind of heard how Jesus is the, the supreme over creation. 
felt out Jesus is supreme and has authority over the church. And tonight, we're going to be talking about how Jesus has authority over death. So, how does Jesus have authority over death? Well, as we heard in our worship, worship's so great, because it just kind of gives a little prelude into the preach, um, especially when it's like this. Um, So, Jesus died, and then Jesus rose from the dead. So, Jesus is... Jesus is risen is the spoiler. That will come up there at some point. There we go. Yay, Jesus is risen. Okay, so um, that's, the, that's the basis of it. Jesus physically died. Okay, his, his heart stopped beating. He was put to death. He stopped breathing. His brain stopped whirling. He died, lay lifeless for three days. Um, now, after three days, he physically um, became alive again. His heart started beating again. He started breathing again, and his brain started working, started seeing, started functioning as a, a real physical person. Now, that's amazing, right? I, I said, I work in a hospital, and people die, and I've never, ever heard of someone, after three days, just start working again. Okay, it just doesn't happen. It's not in any books. It just doesn't happen. They might have not actually died, um, and then kind of surprise everyone. But if you actually have died, after three days, you don't just come back again. Um, and Jesus had actually died. Okay. But it's not actually that surprising. I don't know if you've kind of the thoughts cross your mind. Jesus is supreme over creation. Jesus sustains all things by his word. You know, why, why couldn't Jesus just start his heart beating again? You know, he, he sustains all matter anyway. And so I was reading this, and I was thinking, this is amazing, but it's not that surprising. Other people have have started being alive again after being dead. Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb and said, you know, be be brought back to life, and he was. Um, So he's not the first person to have done this. It's not that surprising. But Jesus died in another way as well. You see, when Jesus was on the cross, he took on the sin um, of all mankind, all the things that we've done wrong, Jesus took it on. And the Bible describes the effects of sin as being death. Sounds miserable. In Romans chapter 5, Paul, the same guy, writes to a church in Rome, and he he says that just as sin entered the world through one man, so death through sin. He's, He's setting out that the effects of sin on us is death. Sin comes between us and God and creates this barrier between us where we're separated We can't get close to God because sin's in the way. And as a result, we die spiritually. We might physically still be alive, but we die spiritually. You're thinking this is an abstract thought, but we use the phrase in society now. We use, so-and-so is dead to me, or such-and-such situation is dead to me. There's such a divide between us that, you know, they're dead to me. Well, we were dead to God because of our sin. Um, Jesus took on the sin, And he became dead to God. He died because of our sin, which is crazy. So Jesus lay there for three days, physically dead and spiritually dead. And then he rose from the spiritual death as well. So he he overcame the effects of sin on him to cause a divide. And he came back to spiritual life again. Now that is amazing and it is surprising (laughs) Because up until this point, remember Jesus was a man. No man had ever overcome that divide between us and God. We tried a lot. People had tried to make sacrifices, but but no one had ever done it. And so here we have a man who has overcome sin. He has overcome the barrier between us and God, and he has risen. 
So Jesus gains supremacy over death in all its forms, over physical death and over spiritual death as he rises from the dead. And, you know, if there's any doubt in the minds of the Colossians at the time or in our minds now that, that Jesus is the, the king, he's supreme, then I think they can be put to rest. You know, he's, he's supreme over creation, he's head of the church, and he's king over both physical and spiritual death, our biggest enemy. And then Paul goes on to, well, starts actually. I've kind of jumped in halfway. Paul starts off the sentence by saying he is the beginning. And this is where it gets even more exciting. So this wasn't just an independent event. Jesus didn't just rise from the death and be like, woohoo, I'm risen. It was part of the grand plan to save all of mankind. See, God has always had a plan to to raise everyone to new life. He knew that sin would come between us and him. He knew that there would be this divide, and his, his children that he made, all of us would be separated from him. And so this was the beginning of the plan being rolled out. There'd been a great build-up to this point. Jesus is risen. Go. This is the, the, the plan for, for everyone to be risen. You see... If the effects of sin are this, this great wall and divide between us, Jesus became a man. He came onto our side of the wall. He took on the sin of all the world as he came onto our side of the wall. And then he made a hole in the wall. He made a man-shaped hole because he was a physical man in the, hole, in the wall that separated us from God. And the thing is, what Paul means by here's the beginning is he means he didn't just turn around and block it back up and say, you have a go. He turned around and said, I'm leaving that wide open. You follow me through if you want. Uh, the, the way is made clear. You can come through this man-shaped hole and you can be close to the Father again. Never, ever to be separated again. And so Jesus ushered in this age. You know, we'd been living in an age before where, where resurrection wasn't possible because no man had ever done it before. And he ushered in this age where we live in the power of the resurrection. That's what we live in now. It hasn't stopped So we live in the age of the resurrection. So what does that mean? It means if you're sitting here tonight and you know that you are separated from God because of your sin, it means you don't have to be. It means that if, because the way the Bible would describe you as being dead in your sin, it means you don't have to stay dead. And it means there's a way for you tonight, an invitation for you tonight to be reunited with God to come close to him. It's what we call getting saved, becoming a Christian. It's asking Jesus if you wouldn't mind if I followed you through that hole. And Jesus says, of course not. Come through the hole. I made it the right shape. So what about if you're already saved? What does it mean for you? Because a lot of what I'm saying so far, you would have heard before probably. What does it mean to live in the age of the resurrection? So if you have already gone through that hole, then what the Bible describes is that you've been made new. You've been given a new life. We sang about it in the song. You've, you've got a new life. You've been born again. And it goes on in quite a lot of detail. And it says that you've been given a new identity. It says you've been given um, a new inheritance, a new future, a new hope. Now these things are all true about every single person here if you follow Jesus. But in a, in a similar way to how I started, you know, it can feel like this all happens in an instant. But you feel like nothing really changes in actuality. Like you, it changes technically. 
what the Bible says about you is true, but you're like, I'm just the same as I was before, right? Like, this is all just theory. Let me go on with the story. When, for the last two years, I wanted to be um, a surgical trainee. I wanted to learn to be a surgeon. Um, and so I'd take the opportunities, if I could, to get into operating theatre, to go and watch and take part and learn what I could, because um, it's exciting. But I was, I was a guest there. I had to ask permission, beg, look for opportunities, go and stand in the corner. And like, I don't know if, who's been in an operating theatre here? Oh. Great, quite a lot of people. Unconscious though, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, doesn't count. <laughs> Unless you weren't, in which case you need to have done the job. Um, so there's loads of stuff going on everywhere. And I used to stand in the corner and be like, uh oh, don't touch anything. There's loads of like drapes that you're not allowed to touch. People all know what they're doing and move really quickly. And if you just get in the wrong way, you just get shouted at. Um, and you just feel really out of place. Um, until you've kind of got used to it, you just feel like you really shouldn't be there. And then occasionally, you get like that dream ticket and they say, come and help me. And I'm like, whoa, this is what I've been waiting for. But it's it kind of exciting but really scary because you don't really belong. You're not really meant to be there. You don't really know what you're doing. You haven't really got a job. You're just kind of like a guest, a visitor. Um, and then overnight, so like that was on the Tuesday, and then on the Wednesday, I started this new job. Um, and suddenly, I'm a surgical trainee. That's what my badge says. Nothing's changed in me. I haven't got any extra kind of ability overnight. I've just got a new badge. Um, and so I turn up, and I'm like, oh, great, you're the surgical trainee. Come and, come and get stuck in the theater. And you're like, oh, no, um, that's, I can't just stand in the corner now. That's not my place. That's not who I am anymore. They're expecting me to get stuck in and learn and, and be part of it. I belong there in theater now. That's, that's where I, I learn. That's my training ground. Um, and they're beginning to get to know me, and I no longer stand there like I'm about to sort of touch something that I shouldn't. I know what I'm doing. You can, you can move around and grow in confidence. Um, the problem is, when I've got an off day, like I'm tired, you go into a theatre, and I'm just like, oh, I just want to do what I'm used to doing, which is stand in the corner, be quiet, not speak until I'm spoken to, not make any mistakes, just, you know, be me. But that's not who I am. That wouldn't be being true to what my badge says. And it would be really confusing for everyone. It'd be like, why are you acting like you're not, you don't belong here? Why are you acting like you're not, um, like you're, you're a guest? Now, sometimes we can kind of approach God like that. We can experience that in our, um, in our walk with God. You see, if Jesus hadn't risen, then we would still be a guest in God the Father's presence. In fact, someone prayed out, Laura prayed it out in the worship time, that we would be Gentiles, and we'd be allowed into like the very outside bit of the temple, but we'd be very much like standing in the corner, like, don't say anything, you're not meant to, because there's this genuine fear that if you did, you'd be struck down, or you'd be like cast out, don't say the wrong thing. And if you did the wrong thing, imagine if you, if, you, if you made a mistake, if you sinned, then you have to go through this massive ritual of like cleaning yourself up, maybe sacrifice an animal, bring like a, an offering. You, the whole thing was like treading on eggshells, and that's what it would be like now. God would still be God, and we could still kind of know about him a little bit, but we couldn't come close. We'd be a guest in his presence. But everything's changed, because Jesus has risen. And if you've risen with Jesus, then your whole identity has changed in an instant. You're given a new identity. Even if you don't believe it, even if you, you feel like it's, it's fact, it says it in the Bible, but really, 
The reality is, yes, you, you have. But so often we can kind of approach God still like we're dead, like we're separated from him, like there's this great divide between us. Could you imagine how ridiculous it would be if Jesus, so he risen from the dead, um, and he comes out of the tomb, he appears to um, some of his followers, and he does some kind of amazing signs and, and miracles and things. And then every now and again, he has a bit of an off day, and so he's like, I'm just going to pop back down to the tomb, lie back down, wrap up in the grave clothes, and just lie there, and just, I'm going to be dead again for a little while, because that was a bit more comfortable. Like, it, just, it just wouldn't have happened. I'm being stupid for the reason. It just wouldn't have happened. Right? But we do it. I find myself, uh, for whatever reason, I kind of I hit a bit of a, a, a wall and I think, um, oh, I'm just going to kind of hide away from all this, this thing again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide away and I'm going to go back into my corner and I'm going to pretend like um, I'm separated or act like I'm separated from God. Maybe it's because we've done something wrong or like we've said something wrong or we've acted in the wrong way. I don't know if you can relate to that, where you've had a circumstance and you just feel distant from God, and so you kind of wallow in it for a bit, and you just sort of mope around. Maybe you feel like you've got to clean yourself up first before you can get back in and be close to God. You just feel like there's some distance. Those are the times we need to speak truth over ourselves. And the truth is, the message tonight is that Christ is risen. He's overcome anything that could separate us from God. And he has called us to receive the same kind of authority. We have also risen with him. Nothing can now separate us from God. And even when we do things wrong, that sin has been defeated. Its ability to cause death has been defeated. And so it no longer separates us from God, even if you feel like it does. Chris, do you want to come back up and... I think we, we all go through times when we need reminding of this. Firstly, that Jesus has risen, that he has all authority, that he has the power to overcome physical death, and that he has ushered in a whole age of resurrection where we can all share in the same power, where we can all know uh, victory over sin. We need reminding that, that we also have risen that I'm not bound by death anymore. There's nothing can hold me back from being in the Father's presence anymore. That I can throw myself at worship time. I can pray for people. I can pray myself. I can just approach the Father, even if I've had the roughest of days, and just say, Father, I'm here. Because I know that I'm just I'm, I'm one with him. Even if I don't feel like it, we've got to take hold of what we know to be true from the Bible. So we're going to worship a bit now, just maybe sing through that song again, and just enjoy the, the presence of God. Enjoy the, the presence of the Holy Spirit being with us. Enjoy the fact that you have no divide between you and the Father. Let's sing.